Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. Hey everyone. And my first second oh no, not maybe not the first. I think I've had someone else twice now, but the second time I've had this lovely lady on my podcast and I've got her back because when I went through and looked through the numbers, her episode was the one that you all love the most. And that is Lisa Warner. Lisa, how are you? Hey, Ian. I'm great. How are you doing? <laughs> going, going very well, thank you. And that episode, the simplicity of self-healing, obviously really struck a chord with the listeners. And I actually, when I went back and looked at some of my individual episodes around the similar uh, theme, around how our body talks to us. So I'm really excited to have you back. I, I said to you earlier, I, w- I re-watched the recording of that original uh, episode and and we've both changed a bit since then, which is cool. But we also want to look at that your story through a different lens this time, which um, I'm looking forward to doing. So firstly, how have you been the last couple of years? What, what cool things have happened for you and, and what's going well? Oh, life has, life has changed. I have changed. I have become a lot more um, comfortable in my own body. And uh, when, the, more I, the more comfortable I become in my own body, the more comfortable my life becomes. And uh, the more fun and interesting life becomes. So, you know, everything is, is going really, really well. Um, I have, I, I actually am now going to be the, the uh, kind of focus of a new movie that will be coming out, a new documentary that's coming out by Keith, no who is doing a, a documentary film called The Inside Effects about how our body heals itself from the inside out and uh, what the side effects are when you know we we believe certain things about our bodies that are not true so mm, that will so be good. coming out in 2023 so that's really exciting <laughs> yeah I, I just spoke over the top of you there when you mentioned the name of the person what so what was their name oh keith leon s so excellent well uh We'll make sure we put some of their details in the show notes too so that, that people can find him and, and then when the movie comes yep. out, we'll have that as well. Yeah. Wow, that's really exciting. That is. Where did that opportunity come from? <laughs> um, Keith, I, Keith inv- I, I actually got connected to Keith through a book project that he was doing. He's known as the book guy. 
and uh, he was doing a project when when the whole uh, pandemic thing hit. Uh, he was out doing a book tour on on angels. He he's he's the he's also the angel guy. He wrote a book called Walking with My Angels. So he was doing his book tour and he was out talking about angels and helping people connect to their higher selves and their guides and that this whole thing hit and whoom, the whole world shut down and all of a sudden he was like whoa what just happened to my life like everything i was doing just stopped and yeah. so he tuned in and he was like okay now what do i do and they the guidance that he received was do a series of books and he said, okay, great. What do, what, what's the title? What do I talk about? And yeah, yeah. It was uh, navigating the clickety clack, how to live a peace filled life in a seemingly toxic world. So he started to reach out to people who live peaceful lives and, you know, no matter what's going on in the external world. And, you know, he's now on his, I don't know, fourth volume of this book. So it's kind of like chicken soup for the soul, but, yeah. you know, navigating the clickety clack. So I was in volume two and Keith and I struck up a really good relationship. And he's my monthly guest on my solution Sunday because the soul is the solution. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we created this great relationship and uh when he does he, when he realized that hey in my 20s and 30s i was going to be a rock star so he sang with stevie wonder and you know all kinds of other wow. really famous people he did that in his 20s and 30s and then you know when he was in his 40s he was supposed to be a best he he in his mind you know in his dreams he was like you know i'll be a, a best-selling author in my 40s so he became a best-selling author and then uh, you know it, that turned into a, being a publishing company and then the dream was in my 50s i'm going to be a, a movie director and you know producer and director and all of a sudden he realized hey wait a minute I'm in my fifties. This is what I'm supposed to be doing now. Hang on, wait a second. So he started, he started doing movies. And so this is now his first movie and he's doing a documentary about how the body heals itself. So I'm blessed to be in this, in this movie with this beautiful friend of mine. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is beautiful. And uh, much like the first conversation we had, the, there'll be a, no doubt a focus on the nudges of the universe and, and that intuitive side of us that gives us guidance. And I was saying before uh, that right on cue when I'm about to sit down and talk to someone, the cat will come and show up and plonk herself on my lap like she just did then. So for those who were listening intently may have heard some purring then because she wanted to be on <laughs> She wanted to be part of the show. Uh, but, again, it's just one of those uh, mysteries of the universe. Like, why does that happen? Like, she doesn't show up any other time. She comes at the start of the conversation and then she leaves again. Um, like uh, the conversation I was having with my mum yesterday. There's a whole lot of stuff going on in our world, in our life, that we don't fully, truly comprehend. But the more open we are to it, the more of these moments of synchronicities that you describe where someone comes shows up in your world you become close to and they want to put you in a movie that's uh that's amazing i love it 
Yeah. You know, we just have the, like the full moon lunar eclipse today with, you know, so, so many energies going on, so many synchronicities happening for humanity, so many new portals opening up and lots of possibilities happening. Yep. Spot on. Now it's a little bit of a different chat to how I used to do it back then. And we want to look specifically through some of those real key defining moments in your life and we've got a few of them to navigate around and and it starts from something that is is becoming more prevalent in the conversations i'm having and that's the moment where people gave up their power and for me i can remember in my teens when i'd end up in in fights with my siblings and and then you know that that poor poor me sort of attitude, feeling like I always ended up the one in trouble, which is, of course, not true. It's just when you're a child, that's how you perceive things. And I made the conscious choice of I will no longer fight any of this. I'll just accept whatever comes my way and, and away I go. And I know now that I gave up so much of my power. Many people can identify with having those such moments when they're often in those teen years when when we sort of uh, shifting away from from patterns of childhood and starting to f- go on that journey of becoming a, an adult for you though happened much to er- much earlier than anyone I've ever spoken to before so tell us a little bit about that how that unfolded for you and your your unique way that you were quite aware of you and your surroundings at that young age Well, yeah, when I was very, very young, I just, I would go to bed at night and I would just be part of the unified field. I would just be part of the unconditional love of source. And so so what, what did that actually look and feel like? So at that young age, were you like feeling like you were like part of, like a dream state sort of thing or what, what, what did that actually experience if you, if you put it in terms of uh, what, what most humans would understand? Well, it would be like I would be floating in space and I would be looking at the earth from space. Yeah. But the space wasn't just a void. It wasn't space. It was filled with unconditional love it was filled with light it was filled with living life force energy and i knew that that space was everlasting it was eternal it was what is and from that space i would look at earth and It wasn't just that I was looking at this ball floating through space. It was I was looking at the history of humanity. I was looking at the history of Earth itself. I was looking at um, the wars that were going on about, you know, whose God was better than whose and, you know, money and, you know, all of this control structure and i would see i would see old people in nursing homes and i would see that they were in these bodies that they couldn't control anymore and that they you know that they were just trapped in these bodies just like waiting to die in these death watch facilities and 
I, I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that it was not supposed to be that way and that these bodies were meant to last for hundreds of years. And then, you know, I would come back in my body and I would look around and go, wow, like they don't do that stuff here. Like, you know, the stuff that I know to be true and real yeah. is not what they do here. And so, you know, at three or four years old, it was like, wow, like, I don't, I, I don't know why I'm here. Like, I, I really truly thought that I was being punished because I couldn't figure out why they would send me to this penal colony, you know, <laughs> from the space of all that is and, you know, the infinite possibilities and unconditional love. Like, why, why did I get sent here? into this space where they don't do unconditional love and everything is a war and everything is a, a struggle and poverty and, and yeah uh, so i i had a really hard time navigating all of that when i was really young so i kind of i ended up giving up my seniority when consciously, like when I was four years old, because when I was sent off to, to preschool and school, like I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that that's where this, the programming happened was when we got sent off to school, that's where our minds got programmed. So I knew that I didn't really have any choice. My my mother was a teacher and you know like no no you know no no bad against my mom but you know at 4 years old when your mother is a teacher and you're being sent off to preschool and school like there's no way you're going to be able to go hey you know uh, you know I'm not going to get programmed um hello <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> So that awareness that you talk about, I mean, it must have been completely overwhelming at that age. But I was just thinking how many people come to not even half that level of awareness later in life. And and some people are working really hard to, to be able to come to that level of awareness. For you being presented with that from quite a young age, like did that really – negatively impact your ability to to navigate life in general like those school relationships like all relationships and and if so how how did you get through all of that uh, well yeah i mean my my life is pretty weird as far as you know like the normal thing goes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but i mean from my perspective i think we're all born that way like i think we're all born with a fully open connection to source. Yeah. And then I think that just, you know, we get slammed with the reality around us and we just shut ourselves down like I did. Um, you know, <laughs> when, when I was a little kid, when I went, when I went off to kindergarten and preschool, I was like, I, you know, I started looking around. I was like, Hey, maybe there's some, some kids that still remember what I remember. And 
you know, I looked around and I was like, nobody remembers what I remember. Like I could, I could see them. Like it, I, I, I don't know how to explain that I could see that they were, that had already gone to, to sleep, so to speak, that they were already in the amnesia. But I, I got, for me, I got angry. I was just like, oh, why don't you remember who you are? <laughs> like, why does nobody remember who they are? Like, come on, wake up, people. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. Whoa. <laughs> so I just, I was, I, in my own experience, was just, I was really kind of angry at humanity. Like, why? Why is this happening? Why does nobody remember? And, you know, so I, obviously, I needed to be able to learn compassion and to be able to express myself in a way that would help other people to wake up rather than like, wake up. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why did you want to sleep? <laughs> so, so what you just described there, that kind of feels like what's been happening for the last two and a half years is there's yeah. a whole lot of angry people who have suddenly had a new yeah. awareness, new awakening, <laughs> as trying to scream at people to, to wake up and it's like, no, yeah. that's not how it works. Exactly. We, we help people. We help people to find the truth of who they are, not who you think they are, who they you think they should be. And so you're having that awareness at that age. So how did that lay, like from what age were you then able to then change how you brought that compassion to the table and, and understanding and helping people to navigate their own journey towards that awakening? Well, it took me a really, really long time, you, yeah. know, you know, because I shut everything down. You know, by the time I was four or five years old, I had shut everything down. I was like, I don't want to participate. You know, like I, mm. I will do what's required of me, but I will not participate. So for me, I, I didn't participate in a lot of things. I was a high level figure skater. That was where I participated in myself because I could just be myself on the ice. So I, I skated and I became a very high level figure skater, um, but I wouldn't compete. I wouldn't participate in that judgment thing. And, uh, you know, so I got judged a lot for that, but, uh, you know, so I did figure skating for a really long time. And then in my mid thirties, um, I had a very, a, a really awakening experience when, uh, you know, I'm an only child. And I had one female cousin and a, a few male cousins. And the, the one female cousin was six months younger than me. And we became really, really close. We were kind of like, you know, as close as sisters could be. And, um, you know, so we did, we did a lot of things. We communicated a lot. And um, so in my 30s, she had become married. She had gotten married. They had gone overseas. They came back. They were living in Colorado. I was living in Aspen. And I found out that she and her husband had kind of become estranged. And so we reconnected. And um, basically, 
she was going to come and live with me. And we had arranged everything, gotten her a job, you know, changed my condo so that she could come and live with me. And 10 days before she was going to live with me, um, she was murdered by her husband, you know, a strange husband, whatever. So that was like a really pivotal point in my life because, you know, it, it wasn't a shock to me because I knew that there was that potential. And, um, you know, but when I went to the funeral, I, you know, there was this open casket and there she was. And it, this was like my whole like first funeral kind of thing. Hmm. And, you know, I got there and found out that this was an open casket thing. I was like, oh, goodness gracious. This is like, this is crazy. It's like, okay, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go look and I'm going to, I'm going to connect with her and I'm going to see what's going on. And when I got, when I walked up to her, I was, my, my entire reaction was, I if you could see your hair, you would not be so happy. <laughs> and in that moment, I was just like, I knew she was okay. Like, I knew I was talking to her. I knew that she was totally fine. And everything after that, like, changed because I knew that she was fine and that she could hear me and that all was good. So that from that point on, I could hear her talking to me. We were having these conversations, but my rational mind was just like, oh, you're crazy. That's not really happening. But, you know, it, that was a really pivotal point in my life where I knew there was, I, I started to remember that there was an afterlife, that there was something greater than what was going on here in the obvious realm. Mm. Oh, I got goosebumps through that last part. Um, yeah. <laughs> to me, that's the, the grief of like losing someone. I don't know if everyone reaches this point, but but I had a moment like that, not like that early. Like it actually was what two thousand, probably eight years after. Where with my dad, I'm like, oh, like he actually, I got a vision, and it's like, no, he's actually okay. He's actually okay, and, and there's a form of closure in that. Four days in, or however many days in, where you're having that experience, that like even even through the conversation, I'm feeling that I'm not sensing much, if anything, still there. Most people have something unresolved, but for you to have that closure at such an early date, for me, it it confirms how important it is to have that, and particularly. You know, people can believe whatever they believe about afterlife. Scientific perspective, the energy continues. Energy doesn't disappear and it stays in some form. So you can choose to believe whatever you choose to believe. But when you just described an experience, I've had my own experiences. I'm sure other people can identify with the experiences there where you just get a knowing that everything's okay, that they are okay, that there is far more going on here in the conscious world than, we're, than what we're aware of. So given that you have had so much of this really clear awareness and it's really been a, a theme throughout your life, 
how have you learned to help other people to come to more of that awareness? You said you realize that it's actually bringing more compassion to help them to wake up to the to to more of that truth of who they are and and out of this slumber. What what sort of steps can you recommend to the listeners on how they can start to explore that space and start to be able to come to more of that understanding of what's really going on? Well, you know, for me, it you know, it took me a having a massive personal crisis, you know, multiple personal crises to be able to like wake myself up and shake myself beyond what's obvious, you know, because when we look at the the external world, we look at and we see what's obvious, right? Like we see there's obviously something wrong with my body or these people just died. So, you know, it's obvious that they're, they no longer exist or, you know, it's obvious what they tell us on the news is, you know, and what I realized is that what, what's obvious is not actually what's true. It doesn't mean just because it's obvious doesn't mean that it's true. So, you know, for me, you know, just because my cousin Chris died, you know, it was obvious that she was dead, you know, she was gone. However, when I went there and I looked at her, I was like, hey, you know, if yeah. you can see a hair, you know. <laughs> so, so was, that, was that her voice? Was that no, her that voice? Was mine. That was just me. And, oh right, that's you know, that, it was not, like not... me talking to her, like it was just like me, like some crazy voice of mine that was just like, hey, you know, you wouldn't be so excited if you could see your hair right now, you know. It was like they didn't do you some such justice, you know. And it was just like it was just me and her having this like little moment of just fun, mm. and it was it was just. I was definitely talking to her and yeah. it was just kind of this voice that came through me that was just like, I, you know, <laughs> like, I, yeah. these humans, you know, <laughs> like they don't get it. You know, it was just kind of this, this thing that just came through me and it was my connection to her. And, you know, it went beyond the obvious, like the obvious was like, you know, her body was there dead and they hadn't done her hair all that great. You know, <laughs> it was like, that's what was obvious. But when I looked beyond the obvious, it was like, there my cousin was, there she mm. was like fully alive and well. And, you know, so I started, I guess that was part of the thing that started helping me to look beyond the obvious mm. so so that those moments that don't make sense from a logical from an obvious perspective that make us go mm, that was a bit different we tend to explain away with uh some sort of logic but if we if i get this right what you're saying is if we more explore what from a different perspective through a different lens from a more of a inner knowing then we can start to find there's so much more going on. Yeah. You know, when I, when I ended up facing cancer, you know, what was obvious was 
hey, there's something wrong with my body. I got these tumors growing. I got all this pain. I got all this stuff going on. You know, there's obviously something wrong with my body. But then when I actually tuned in and I was actually able to see from a higher perspective, it was like, hey, there's nothing wrong with your body. Your body's doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing under the circumstances that you've given it. So there's nothing wrong with your body. Look beyond what's obvious so that you can see what's actually happening. Yeah. So more being more aware of all of your senses but then asking okay what's what's really going on and then starting to be more curious and dig a bit deeper so one of the things that that's an example of that is when you introduced me to the concept or not even concept the the very scientific method of german new medicine it became a whole new awareness of each specific illness is your body telling you something about what's what's been and the one that really stands out was the the uh, doctor who actually came up with this concept when he was talking about his own. He just lost his son yeah. six months earlier. Then suddenly he gets testicular cancer, and he starts asking questions like, "I'm completely healthy. This can't be a coincidence." And then it turns out what he learns is, and I'm not I'm not saying this for your benefit, but for the listeners, it turns out that testicular cancer is linked to having a death of a child or a pet or something similar that then creates that same illness and i almost remember like my head exploding like oh man that just makes so much sense so so for you at that point right what was the what was the moment of like oh like a an aha moment or a like a light bulb moment that went off. What was your specific example of suddenly you were given some new information or awareness that, that had you able to think from this completely different perspective? Oh, um, so when I was going through this whole thing, um, every, I decided that I wanted to find my own answers. I wanted to know how to heal my own body so that I would never have to worry about facing some disease ever again. And I wanted, I, I wanted to know how this would happen. So I started asking the question every day, what do I need to know about this? What's going on in my body? What do I need to know about this? in order to change it. So I would ask that question every single day. What do I need to know about this in order to change it? And finally, one day when I was able to get my mind quiet enough, all of a sudden, the answer just boom, popped right in. It was completely obvious. And the answer was, hey, Lisa, your body's not being attacked by cancer and neither is anybody else's body. Your body's doing exactly what it needs to do given the circumstances you've provided. Oh, so good. 
right? I don't know if you, I don't know if you wrote those questions down, but that's like I'm, I'm forever. People who listen to this a lot would have heard me say, talk about journaling and ask questions if you're not sure. Allow the unconscious part of you to find that answer. So that's just a real life example of the power of that. Kept asking that same question again and again until eventually the answer finds you. Not everyone's going to have the answer appear in a thought like that. Sometimes life will give us the answer when we're we're out there and suddenly something we didn't know existed will be presented to us. But having that repetitive, yeah, ask for the solutions. Oh, I love that. Such a great example. Thank you for sharing that. Now, ask and it is given is one of the universal laws. Mm. And we so did touch on we ask a really good quality question. We're given a really good quality answer. <laughs> Most of us simply ask, what's wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Or, or, we really truly don't need the answer to that question. Yeah, it's not a wrong. very useful question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that could be the best advice that anyone could take from this. Is uh, ask better questions, right? <laughs> Whether it's in a relationship with yourself or with other people, exactly. So, um, can can we? Because because I, I want to have this from a place that people will understand through a context that people will understand. So even even though you've had a a very different conscious awareness than most, you still went about this space of worried about things, and and you talked about last time about like, you know, not being able to fear it. And so how did worry show up for you? And what was that experience like? Like, was it a, was it a full body experience all the time? Were you getting like that, that worry through your body? Was it like constant repeated thought pattern? Was it other stuff? Like how did that play out? Oh, wow. I mean, I lived in a space of I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I can't fit in. Nobody understands me. I lived in a constant state of just not feeling like myself. And my the thought patterns would just go around and around and around and around, just like constantly. And I, I really had no quiet space to just be. And my body always just felt on edge. There was always just like, I was just always a little bit unsettled. Like I never could quite put my finger on it, but there was just always, I never quite felt like myself. So when all the symptoms, you know, when I started on my spiritual journey and it was just, you know, after my cousin passed away and, you know, I started to find some answers and started looking beyond the obvious and started noticing, like, you know, started remembering some things from my childhood that I had suppressed. Um, you know, I started to realize, wait a second, there's more to life than what meets the eye. And I read a book by Cryon called The Journey Home. And in that book, I got, you know, hey, you're creating your own reality. And I thought, bah, that is the first thing 
that I have ever heard that actually makes total sense to me. Like, I don't know how I'm creating my reality, but I know that that's true. I need to find out how I'm creating my reality. Because if I know how I'm creating my reality, then I can create consciously. I can create on purpose. <laughs> oh, yes. So good. <laughs> and, for that, and for those listening going, well, you know, you're creating my own reality. Does that mean I've invited all these different bad things into my life? It's like, well, that's when the moments from our life have created this well you used the word before dis-ease or uneasiness within us the programming all these different elements that have that come into it you've, you're creating your life the best you can with all of the different moments of grief and trauma and setbacks and all those things so that that's part of like to me is is the goal is like how can we continue to remove all of those things that stop us creating at our highest possible level? How do we allow ourselves to step more into that space? So you mentioned before um, when you said not enough, like you'll understand this, but I, but I, I got like a stabbing sort of feeling in my heart, right? So this is something that will many re will relate to uh, many of the listeners of that feeling of not enough, feeling of uh, inadequacy in different areas of their life, of, of not wanting to be mediocre. Uh, I had a client describe it this week as I've been quite successful in spite of myself. And it's like, well, what if we can, what if we can actually remove that part and just unlock more of it? So how, how, how have you allowed yourself to feel not just enough, but more than enough? And how would you guide other people listening to, to be able to do more of that themselves? Well, what I've really realized is that when we're, when the soul is created, we are created by God, source, creator, whatever word you want to use. We are created in divine perfection. You know, God, source, creator thought, hey, let me experience myself as Lisa or Ian, or, you know, let's go have this experience. Let's see all the creator is experiencing itself in infinite ways as a deer, as a lamb, as a octopus, as a, you know, as a human, you know, like in an infinite number of ways. So source is expressing itself through me, through you. And when I was a child, when I would go to bed at night, I would just be source. I would just be part of that unified field. Unconditional love. Life itself. Living life force energy. Pure potential. And that is who and what we are. And we, that part gets shut down as humans. We're told, here are the rules. This is what you have to do. This is the way it is. You know, pay your taxes, go to school, earn money. You know, 
retire at 65, you know, like all these rules. And we just go, oh, okay. And we just start living inside the box. Yeah. But yep. inside the, that's the mind. That's the programming that's inside the box. Mm, Who are sense. we paying taxes to? Why are we paying taxes? They're using that money to wage war and do like who who says that? Like, do we actually is that a rule that we actually need to live by? Look for go have your colonoscopy, have a mammogram, go look for disease. Do we actually have? to do that like are those actually rules that we need to live by like can can we as divine beings simply live in peace and harmony can we just live by giving to each other and supporting each other can we simply create our health? Or do we have to live by all these rules? Do we need to be educated into the ways of society? Or can we simply live by our own inner guidance from source itself? And it's like when we start looking beyond the what is, in that box we start to move out of the mind and back into the soul and we start to move out of the limitations of this reality this society and we start to move back into the unlimited possibilities of source itself and we start to realize that what's obvious isn't necessarily what's true. And what's actually true is that we are unlimited beings and that well-being is our natural state of being. And that when we live as who we actually are health just is wealth just comes sacred economy is just us giving to each other helping each other sacred society is just us living by the four agreements you know take nothing personally do no harm you know, if you do harm, make reparation, you know, like, and then all of a sudden we start transcending the what is, and we start opening up to what can be. So good. I've written so many notes from what you just went on there, but the, the one that really stood out to me was we go looking for disease. It's like, oh, it's so true. It's like we have to get all these checkups. It's like what if we learn to live 
to listen to our body and let our body tell us when something needs attention instead of going and searching for something. And uh, I've got some fairly strong beliefs on this. It's like the whole system is like the system will collapse if we're not sick because it's like it's like billion trillion dollar industry so so uh, it's almost in our interest in their interest that we're not well it's like yeah don't don't go looking for something that's not there so you know one of the universal laws is seek and ye shall find Mm, yes there's um it's almost like if you go back to the Bible that the messages there have somehow been corrupted. That's a whole other that's a whole other <laughs> whole other uh, rabbit hole. Um I'm I'm curious, so I know in my life I've been dragged off path and I've and I've done like you know, you talk about the universal laws and I've done certain things that I'm I'm certainly not proud of. They've got me to where I am now and and so be it. But were there moments in your life where you got dragged off course to the point where like you were finding yourself behaving and and perhaps doing harm in a way that that then really impacted you later? Absolutely. We we all have. I don't think any human has escaped that yeah. because anything that's in our energy field, you know, each and every one of us has an energy field, a personal energy field. And when we're not aware that we have our own personal energy field, we just become part of the universal energy field and the universal energy field has all energies in it. So from fear and guilt and doubt and shame to bliss and joy and curiosity, you know, all, all energies exist. So when we don't choose our energy field, when we don't create our own personal space, then all of the energies that we do not prefer, shame, blame, fear, doubt, guilt, anxiety, all of those become part of our energy field and anything that's in our personal energy field gets reflected back it gets outpictured in the reality around us so anything that's outpictured when something shows up in our reality and we go i don't like that <laughs> We try to fix the reality. We try to fix the outpicturing. But if we don't change the energy that's generating the outpicturing, nothing's going to change. You know, we can change one thing in the outpicturing, but if, you know, if we have fear in our energy field, for example, you know, we have a fear of disease or a fear of death in our energy field. That fear of disease and fear of death is going to keep showing up. We're going to keep seeing people dying of diseases in our energy field. You know, that outpicturing is going to happen. We're going like, oh, my God, you see, people keep dying of these diseases. It's real. That's what's actually going on. And then, you know, so the outpicture, we use the outpicturing as the evidence 
that it's real. Mm. But all that's actually happening is the external world is outpicturing what we have going on inside, inside our energy field. So if we don't address our own energy field and start clearing out the fear, the doubt, the guilt, the shame, the blame, all of the stuff that's been deposited, we've been taught all of these things. We've been educated on what is. So we've been taught disease and taxes and, you know, politics, you know, all of the stuff that we've been taught. And then we just keep out picturing the same stuff over and over and over going, hey, this is the way it is. But it's only the way it is because it's in our energy field. And we haven't addressed the root energies. When we start clearing out the guilt and the shame and the judgment, and, you know, all of these things, when we start clearing all that out, all that we're left with is light and love and happiness and peace and health and prosperity. And, oh, my God, you can't live like that. That's not real. <laughs> oh, yes. That statement, oh, yeah, I'm a realist. It's like, well, mm, how's that got you? Right? You? I lived with a mother. It was like she constantly, I constantly heard that all the time. And that kept me in that loop of looking at what is, what's obvious. Like, oh, mm. once I finally got rid of that, and started realizing I can create my own reality. I can create. My reality is filled with health, with wealth, with amazing people, with beautiful clients, with just incredible things that keep showing up. They're like, oh, my gosh, how does it get even better than this? <laughs> like Stuff that I couldn't possibly have imagined myself. Simply because I've cleared all of the crap out of my energy field. Good way to be. <laughs> have you got a, one specific example how how that life might have mirrored something back to you that that had you realizing you needed to change? I mean, you mentioned the you mentioned the, the situation with your cousin, but was there was there another example of like um, maybe you acted in a certain way and and, it, and had you realizing after on reflection that that maybe there was something there still sitting in your field? Well, you know, when my when my when my body ended up when I was facing cancer, you know, and the healthy, fit athlete body that I grew up with went from a size eight to a size 16. And, Whoa. you know, just, you know, I, I, I had no more control over my body and there was pain every day and lumps and bumps and, you know, all of this stuff going on in my body. It was like, wait a second. This is not my reality. This is not the reality 
that I am designed to live. Like this, this isn't supposed to be my reality. And suddenly it became really clear that, whoa, hang on a second. This is not my stuff. Like I need to clear out all of these other people's perceptions from my energy field, from my belief systems. Because when I was that little girl going to sleep at night and being part of the unified field, I when I would look and I would see all these people in nursing homes, in bodies that didn't work. So now they were just in these death watch facilities just kind of waiting to die, I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that that's not the way it was supposed to be and that that was not going to be my reality. So when that started to appear to be my reality, you know, that I was going through disease and, you know, not having full control over my own body, it was like, whoa, hang on a second. I need to reassess the situation. There's something that I'm not seeing here. I yeah. need to be able to see beyond what's obvious. So now with this strong awareness, like what, what's an experience like now when something shows up in your body? Like, because we want to make it clear that if you've done this work, it doesn't mean you're immune from it, right? It's not like it's not like I'm completely healed. Yeah. So, what sort of nudges do you get now, and how do you navigate that? Oh, so now when when anything shows up in my body, it's like, oh, awesome! Thank you. Now I'm healing. You know, <laughs> now I kind of go, okay, what have I just healed? Like, what what have I just gone through? What have I just resolved that my body is now releasing? Because anything that our bodies do is really biologically meaningful. And the majority of the symptoms that show up in our bodies is the, the result of us coming to terms with something, us resolving an inner conflict, and then the body resolves the conflict and it shows up as a symptom in our body. So instead of a cold being a cold actually i might have read this on your page the other day did i no the, the cold is cleansing an old trauma from your body to allow space for new right exactly excellent i love that yeah. well that's complete let's put a completely new spin on a couple of uh things i've got going on at the moment so thank you <laughs> uh it's like thank you okay cool you've already done you've, you've learned the lesson now it's about changing the habit if you stay stuck in the habit then you'll just compete, can keep repeating the cycle, which is something you mentioned in the first chat we had. Um, oh, that's cool. Thank you. Yeah. When we start to understand every every part of the body sends a different message. Yeah. You know, so shoulders are about relationships. Lungs are about death. You know, death and life. The digestive system is about indigestible morsels. Um, bones and joints are about self-devaluation thoughts. 
you know, when we start to understand the language of the body, you know, there's, um, you know, like in Native American, uh, you know, like there's animal totems, like every animal has a different message. Well, every part of the body has a different message. It's the exact same thing, except the body is doing the body's messages. You know, the animals are doing the animal messages. The plants are doing the plant messages. So when we start to understand the different messages that the body sends, we can simply see what's going on in the body and then go, oh, hang on a second. Let me see what, what's the correlation. What are the corollary thought patterns that go with this? So, you know, if we have um, nasal things and bronchial things, oh, you know, did I just resolve a stink conflict? You know, a stinky situation. You know, it could be literally a stinky situation. They just you know, spread manure over the field and like, it really stinks when I go outside. Like, I don't want to take a breath or, you know, the situation really stinks, you know, metaphorically, it's the same, same thing. Mm. But in the body will, will increase, will decrease the number of cells in the nasal passages. So, and the, or the bronchial passages. So that every, if there is a stink conflict, the body will literally widen those passages by taking away cells so that every breath brings in more air so that you can actually breathe less so that you don't have to inhale the stink as much. So the body is literally helping you resolve this conflict. So when the stinky situation goes away, now the body that has widened those passages so that you can get more air so that you don't have to breathe in the stink so much, now the body has to build back up those passages because it has already taken away a bunch of cells. Now that has to rebuild those cells. Now you have like mucus because that's how the body starts building back those cells. So good. And and it's funny that you chose the nose because I broke my nose when I was, must've been 13 the first time. And then I kept breaking my nose. Ooh, I, I kept whatever, whatever the message was that I wasn't receiving. There you go. And yeah. Okay. Stinky situations all through my life. And then, um, and then at the point where I was ready to actually get the healing done and, and I, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, whether, whether my body could have repaired itself, but it got to the point where it was completely blocked. And so I had, I had surgery to have that removed and it's like, suddenly I can breathe again. And suddenly at, at a similar time where I was going through this growth, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what about something like that? Something that like where you get told. So, so basically he said my, my nose had broken, rebroken, rebroken. So it was like a, like a chalky bony thing that, that covers that. Can the body actually then release that? Oh, absolutely. Of course. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, the, like there are, there are physical things that you can do. I mean, the, the most important thing is to realize that the body knows exactly what to do. 
You know, mm. when we believe that there's nothing we can do about this or this is broken and, you know, it's it's always going to be that way, then it's always going to be that way. You know, the body is following our consciousness. So the first thing is to always understand the body knows exactly what to do. The body is intelligent and the body can rebuild itself better than it was before. Every time it rebuilds itself, it rebuilds itself to a higher level. If we break our arm, when the body heals, it's going to heal with a thicker bone than it was before. So that the bone is now a little bit thicker. So if you whack that arm again, it's not going to have as much chance of breaking as it did the first time. So yeah. the body always heals at a higher level. But when we don't understand that, when we don't trust the body to heal itself and repair itself, then it can't. So first thing is to trust the body. And the second thing is that there are many physical things that we can do. And, you know, one of the greatest therapies that I've found is block therapy, like literally using a block to start like a block of wood to yeah. start melting the fascia. You can use a, a small block and you can even use your fingers to start melting the fascia around any area of your body and you know to literally start moving and reshaping your body by melting the fascia so just gent gently pressing with with an object yeah wow exactly there, there's literally a woman in winnipeg canada has created a, a whole program called block therapy and uh, she she goes into the whole thing when she's created two different size wooden blocks and full there full protocols of how to literally melt the fascia and let all the cells come back into alignment. Fascinating. Yep. Um, so, so I, I get like tells in my body around different things and I don't know if you were conscious of it, but when you were talking about bones earlier <clears throat> and I got, coughing so so have you had a, a broken bone or is there someone in your life that had challenges around bone health that that um yeah yeah i broke my left ankle in 2011 and i was still very i was still very very asleep at that time and i allowed them to put screws in a plate in my left ankle and my body has never ever been the same mm, are they still in there Yep. Mm. Yep. Interesting. Um, yeah, I had a similar experience in my right ankle and uh, and at a time where they used to take the metal back out again. So yeah. they didn't uh, take it out and um, yeah. Yeah, so interesting. So because that, that ankle, obviously I've been able to go and do a whole lot of different things, but it's the same thing. It's like, hmm, what's still stuck in there because it's still not allowing itself to be fully mobile? Oh, because it's I've bought into the belief that that, that will always be like that, even though I tell people this all the time. Fascinating. Yep, yeah. Block therapy will be really, really <laughs> helpful for you in that case. Seriously. I'll send yeah. you. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I, this is uh, an area I'm fascinated with. You talked about being an elite figure skater. Were there times where you just went into the zone where it just ha happened effortlessly, where you, that just happened automatically? 
so that's first question. And the second question is, were you then able to, with the awareness that you had, then be able to replicate that, that ability to get into the, the zone more regularly? Oh, um, yeah, there were many times when I would just, when I would just be in the zone when I was skating, it was, it was the only time where I felt that I could just be myself. Like with nobody else judging me, you know, I never, I never competed because I just didn't want to be judged or compared to or any of that. But I competed with myself and went through all the levels of the United States Figure Skating Association medal thing. So I was a gold medalist and figures and freestyle and went as high as you could go in their, in the ranks. And, um, you know, and then I, um, you know, I met many high level skaters. You know, I skated with Dorothy Hamill and, you know, many other, many other high level skaters. And it was really, it was fun. And I would be able to get in the zone. And you know, many times when I would get in the zone, I would, I would think about these other skaters, you know, Dorothy Hamill and Kurt Browning were really my favorite skaters for many reasons. And often I would go out on, you know, if I was just screwing around and playing, playing on my skates by myself out on the ice, um, I would just, I would get in their head, you know, and I would just pretend that I was them. You know, like Kurt Browning just had incredible footwork. Like he was a master of the blade, the front, the back, the sides, the, you know, and just to be able to move his body and move his feet and the blades. And I remember, you know, one day I went out and I was on hockey skates one day, just playing around on a public session. And I was just like, like just really getting in the zone with Kurt Browning and doing all the footwork and everything. And I got off the ice and and one of the hockey player dads was like, wow, I have never seen somebody with footwork better than that. You know, like watching me do that. And, uh, you know, it's like I could just really get in the zone of being these really top athletes and rep, be able to replicate that. And I would go at one of the days I would, I was out skating and on my figure skates and I was just really channeling my inner Dorothy Hamill. I was really thinking about her, you know, we yeah, yeah. doing some stuff. And, and uh, so, you know, when I got off the ice, somebody said, Oh my God, you look exactly like Dorothy Hamill. So good. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that's an example of something that we come in with the ability to do. So like if I look through a specific example of, of my son could mimic any movement. And then of course, as the programming came in and, and his parents saying and doing different things and reacting to different things. And he slowly had that ability eroded, mm-hmm. not completely, but, but to a lot of, to a lot of degrees. And I love that you brought that up because I'm actually I'm, I'm coaching a young athlete at the moment and, and teaching him exactly that modeling. And I'm, I'm glad you brought light to that because it's like we can tune into the energy of people in any area 
tune into their energy and and that's that word imagination i don't know if it was in the if you've mentioned it a lot today or whether i'm thinking back to because i listen re-listened to to the um previous chat this morning but that, that tapping into that imaginative childlike part of us just unlocks so much of that whether it's being in the zone on ice skates or or anything else that you want to create it's, it's such an ex exciting and and joyful and playful place to play yeah um i've got for the for the back into this conversation i've i've had this um wave of tiredness lisa so does doing the work that you do is it tiring and if so how do you then make sure that you are renewing your energy well actually it's really really invigorating and the tiredness actually happens in our healing when our bodies go into healing we get tired so there are two parts to the healing phase and the first part is the uncomfortable phase yeah. and the second part is the tired phase so a lot of times we can move right through that first part of the healing phase and right into the second part because we've kind of been in the healing as we're waking up as we're starting to become more aware we go through that first part of the healing phase and then suddenly we when we hit a new level of awareness it was like oh we go into the the second part of that healing phase and it's like mm. oh the body is like ah here we're home now we're ready <laughs> to just finish the healing oh and instead we go oh i must have something wrong with me i must have a disease i must have yep. i must be depressed i must have oh, oh wow yeah it's like oh give me another cup of coffee i gotta keep going <laughs> <laughs> no stop listen to your body if your body is tired it's your body sending you the message that it needs for you to sleep for a little while so that it can complete the healing process oh so good um <laughs> could literally keep having this conversation all day I, I do want to, <laughs> you might have to invoice me though uh, but no charge i do want you to share what it is like specifically that you're doing so if someone's sitting there going okay well lisa's talked all this stuff about body and that sort of stuff but specifically what it is you do where people can find you um so that they can investigate and be curious about this work that you do uh, thanks yeah i you know i i really i help people tap into their own inner wisdom so that they can start trusting themselves that they can start trusting their own bodies so i do this mostly through my class my course that's called aligning with your radiantly healthy self it's a 12-week course that people go through and they simply start connecting to their own inner wisdom. And, you know, I just open some doors of awareness and let everybody start walking through to their own inner awareness so they can really know what they know. 
So that's that's the main that's kind of the main portal. I also do um, coaching packages with with people, private coaching packages. I have a mastermind called Soul Sourced um, Soul Embodiment Mastermind, bringing the soul into the body. You know, that's kind of after the aligning with your radiantly healthy self. Um, my website is called Connecting You to You. So it's it's really all about connecting you to your own inner wisdom, connecting the two parts of you, you know, the the lower self to the higher self and bringing everything into oneness. So we can just start sourcing our information from source itself, from our own inner selves. So that's kind of that's kind of the gist of it. You can find me on Facebook at Soul Sourced Healing, where I share a bunch of information. Um, you know, I, I have a YouTube channel and uh, you know, a podcast. But kind of those are those are the things I'm doing right now. In 2023, I will be offering a membership community where there are going to be a couple of a two or three or three of us at least right now that are going to be um, joining forces and um, talking about nutrition and health and spirituality and, you know, and our connection to nature, you know, connecting to our true nature. So as we start to connect back into nature, we start to bring all parts of ourselves back into wholeness. So that will also be coming up in 2023. So I'm really excited about that. Love the sound of that. I'll make sure that we get all of your links in the notes so people can find you. And, and if they're curious about that membership, they can um, they can track you down on your page as well. Awesome. Lisa, thank you so much for coming back and sharing more of your story, more of your wisdom and I very much appreciate everything you've shared today and, and having this chat with you. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. I love having our conversations, Ian. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.